Golden Knights Sharks Part 2 tonight. Can Vegas leave San Jose with two big wins over the Sharks in their back pocket to start the year? Nate Schmidt is week to week. Does this mean another NHL debut for another Golden Knights draft pick? And how much stock should we really put into Vegas winning two big games over San Jose if it does happen? All of that and more coming up. Locked on Golden Knights starts right now. We are back. Locked on Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Danny Webster, Vegas correspondent for NHL.com, site manager for SB Nation's Knights on Ice. And this is a very celebratory time because we have made it one week and nothing crashed and burned. My philosophy is, as, and it will always be, if nothing burns, if nothing is set ablaze, then I think you've done something right. So, so far, so good through one week of Locked on Golden Knights. Thank you to everybody who has who has uh, listened, who has downloaded, who has subscribed. Again, you can get us on Apple Podcasts, you can get us on Spotify, you can get us on Google Podcasts, you can get us on Stitcher. Uh, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find this one here. Uh, on Apple, please leave us a review. Please leave us a comment, what you think of the show, what you want to see from the show going forward. Uh, I know I've been approached by a couple of people, or actually no, not a couple of people, one certain person this week who keeps asking me to change the music because the intro music for some reason is not good. It, I personally think it's a nice little uh, relaxing feel. It, it's like a, a more chill, welcome environment. But if not a lot of people like the music, then we'll have to look at changing it. And maybe I'll take it under consideration. We'll see how it goes. So anybody has any suggestions like that, what they want to see from the pod going forward, please let me know. Uh, All your reviews and all of your comments and all your feedback are very most welcomed here on Locked On Golden Knights. So with that being said, let's dive into... Uh, The topic at hand tonight, which is, if we want to go all Shakespeare and whatnot, this is Act 2 of Golden Knights Sharks. Uh, Vegas is at San Jose tonight for the second part of the home and home. The Sharks will look to rebound from their 4-1 throbbing that they took at the hands of the Golden Knights at T-Mobile Arena on Wednesday. And there's going to be a a little bit of a different feel to the lineup tonight, especially on both sides. Uh, first off for the Golden Knights, uh, Nicholas Haig, the technically now the second draft pick in Golden Knights history uh, once uh, Suzuki and Brandstrom arrows were moved on. Nicholas Haig will make his NHL debut tonight at the defense alongside of Derek Englund. He will be filling in for the injured Nate Schmidt who is now week-to-week with that lower body injury he sustained in the first period of Wednesday's game. So Haig will slide in with England. The pairings now are McNabb, Theodore, Merrill, Holden, and Haig, and England. And on the other side for the Sharks, 
Uh, one big addition that was not there on Wednesday, it is the season debut of one Eric Carlson, who did not play Wednesday due to a personal matter, but it turns out the personal matter was a very important one. Uh, his wife gave birth to a baby girl, and knowing the situation that has been revolving around the Carlson family for the last year and a half, two years, that is a very, very good bit of news and very happy for Eric and his wife and wish them uh, and their baby girl the very best. So 65 will slide in for the Sharks tonight. Um, Dalton Prout, who was in the lineup on opening night, has been reassigned to the AHL. So there's going to be a little bit of shuffling for the Sharks uh, on that front tonight. Everything else is pretty much the same. Forward lines for Vegas are going to be the exact same you saw on Wednesday. Uh, Carlson line, Glass line, Stasny line, and uh, Nosek line. And on the Sharks, pretty much everything's the same, including the suspension of Evander Kane, who he will not play in this game and he will not play in the third game due to the suspension that he... uh, I guess you can say caused himself on Sunday in the preseason finale. So this is the big moment for Nicholas Haig. Obviously, Cody Glass had his uh, his time in the spotlight on Wednesday. This time it will be Nicholas Haig getting his shot. And you know what? I, I talked about it before. If you want to get the best out of Nick Haig, you want to put him on a pairing with Braden McNabb just because of how well he played on Sunday. But I guess you can't really you can't really go wrong by having Derek Englund as your defense partner. I know that the in in retrospect you would want a better you want a better defensive partner than Derek Englund. He's not at the top of his game, but he's still a veteran presence. He will still be able to get Haig in the right spots. And the communication, I think, will be very fluid between the young Golden Knights defenseman and the elder statesman of the team. And Nick Haig was very, obviously, uh, wasn't sure at the time on Thursday whether he was going to be in the lineup, but he was definitely excited for what was to come. Yeah, I mean, you, you hate to see a guy go down, especially a guy like Schmidt. He's you know, a great teammate, obviously an unbelievable player, and we want him on the ice. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen uh, with that. And, uh, you know, if, I, if, I, if I do get the call, then uh, you know, I'll try to take advantage. Uh, it's going to be exciting for sure. So, yeah, obviously the young man, had, you could tell on his face, he had a, he had a sense of he was going to be in the lineup. And... Obviously, it's a it's a big loss, as noted yesterday by Gerard Gallant, that Nate Schmidt will miss some time. Uh, best case scenario, though, is that it doesn't appear to be a month-to-month thing. It doesn't look like he's going to miss a whole lot of time, which is uh, fantastic news if you're the Golden Knights, because you know what Schmidt will give you. He's one of their best defensemen overall, shuts down a top line, plays on the power play, so you knew what you were getting with Schmidt, but with him out, now in comes Haig, and he can kind of offset it. It looks like he will be on one of the power play units, which uh, Shea Theodore right now is really the only defenseman that can be on the power play, so it makes sense to slide Haig into that role. Uh, once again, it's a, a huge, huge um, 
huge break for Nate Schmidt. It looked nasty. He laid on the ice for about a couple minutes in pain. Uh, could have been much worse. I know that some players who have banged knees like that have ended up with torn MCLs, torn ACLs. So definitely a good sign for Nate Schmidt that he's only going to miss a little bit of time. Uh, game tonight is at 7.30. I believe it's 7.30. It is 7.30 again. I'm not going to have to look it up because I do remember it this time. 7.30 puck drop at SAP Center. The Golden Knights return to the scene of the crime where everything happened back in April. And I would presume it's going to be a very hostile crowd, which, you know what? I mean, <laughs> that's, not, that's not a bad environment to have Cody Glasgow in for his first road game and for Nick Hague to make his NHL debut. So uh, very, uh, very hostile environment expected tonight at the Shark Tank. Uh, Golden Knights will look to go to 2-0. and which they did not do last year since they lost their opener to Philadelphia. But two wins two wins against San Jose, I think, would be a good start to the season for sure. So there was something I was thinking about the other day, and it was in relation to a conversation I had with Golden Knights general manager Kelly McCrimmon about a few weeks ago regarding Cody Glass. And really the, the conversation stemmed as far as when the Golden Knights drafted Glass, Suzuki, Brandstrom, Haig, I think the fair expectation before the Golden Knights ever played a hockey game was that they were going to try and develop them for as long as they could, but at some point, Vegas knew that they had to bring those guys up. And, you know... I, the the phrase I use all the time when it comes to this team is winning changes everything. And it, that goes for a lot of things. Winning made the Golden Knights a contender. They had to make moves to win now. They had to make the necessary roster decisions to be cap compliant because they knew what they were going to do with the cap. So all of that factors in to the Golden Knights over the last couple of years. But the one thing I was thinking about when I was talking with Kelly McCrimmon and one question that I asked him was how much did keeping Cody in the AHL or keeping him in juniors and keeping him in the AHL instead of rushing him kind of help his development? Because if the Golden Knights don't win and they don't get to the cup final in year one, and if they don't do what they do in year two. Are we really thinking that Glass, Brandstrom, Suzuki aren't in the lineup, at least by now? Whether they're ready or not, they could have been rushed throughout the process in AHL Chicago. They could have been stuck in juniors for a little bit, except for Brandstrom, he was playing professionally already. But who knows what would have happened if the Golden Knights didn't win? If they didn't get to the cup final in year one, not only that, if they don't it couple this with the fact that if they win and they don't make the trade for Max Pacioretty and if they don't make the trade for Mark Stone and they don't sign Paul Stasny, if they don't make those kind of moves, is Cody Glass in the NHL much sooner? And does that extra time 
that he got, the little bit he got in Chicago and the little bit of uh, the World Juniors play that he had, does his uh, development take a stall, really? Does it, does it stall a little bit? And I think everything is working out for the Golden Knights from that perspective, that they were able to luck out. Well, luck out in the sense that everything fell the way it did, because the Golden Knights in year one, nothing was lucky about that. They were the best team in the Western Conference that year by far. They deserved to get to the cup final and ran out of gas against Washington, right? So does it play out the way that it does? And does, does does making those moves, does that help Cody Glass? And right now I think we're seeing it. We're seeing him evolve his game and he's only going to get better. And it doesn't, it doesn't hurt that he's playing on a line with what he called two Hall of Famers to be in Pacioretty and, uh, and Stone. <clears throat> so it, it's interesting to think about that. And it's also interesting to think about Nicholas Haig, who I don't think he would have made the NHL roster as soon as, you know, say Eric Brandstrom would have. But his development... I think has been crucial for Vegas to kind of keep him cooked in Chicago for a couple of years and allow him to develop his game and allow him to become a better skater. So he's not Bambi on ice as assistant coach Mike Kelly called him during uh, during development camp back, back in Hague's first year. So allowing him to develop the way that he did and not having to rush to get a younger defenseman well, younger than Theodore, um, on the roster, I think has been a huge help for the Golden Knights. And this has been the one benefit of winning. Because now when you look at the you look at the years down the road, the Golden Knights are gonna be able to add more player or they're gonna be able to utilize their youth more often. In a couple of years, we may be looking at Peyton Krebs challenging for the roster if you know if that injury heals up well and he eventually makes his way to Chicago in a year or two that's going to be a huge part of his development because the Golden Knights don't need Peyton Krebs right now they can very much easily go about their business and in three four years however long that may be when Krebs is ready to go then they have another another luxury there the same goes, I believe, with uh, Caden Korczak. He he looked very good in the uh, in camp. He looked very good in preseason. He looks like he's already skating very well. If he can put uh, if he can put a certain element to his game together, I think Korczak could be a very valuable member of this blue line. And that's going to and and the fact that they don't need to rush these young defensemen, I think, says a lot about how the Golden Knights have handled their success. Because they could have easily just said after after year one or year two, okay, Cody Glass needs to be ready to go. He needs to be ready on the roster by this day. And I go back to this every time when, when talking about Cody Glass. There's a reason why he was the last one. There's a reason why he's the untouchable one. There's a reason why Cody Glass was not traded at the trade deadline in 2018 
in a trade that would have brought Eric Carlson to Vegas. Vegas sees something in glass that I don't think a lot of people have yet to see. Because I don't think anybody would really be complaining if Vegas still if Vegas somehow traded all three of their triplets to get Max Pacioretty, Mark Stone, and Eric Carlson. How the hell you make that cap work, I have no idea. But it's fun to think about. But he was not traded that day. Instead, Vegas ended up getting Tomas Tatar, and the rest is history with that one. But there's a reason why Vegas sees something in glass. And there's a reason why they have been so patient with his development and haven't wanted to rush him. As uh, Dave Shane mentioned in our conversation from a couple days ago, the, the real importance with glass is going to be in a couple years when... Paul Stasny's contract is up. Uh, Max Pacioretty's deal is coming up, or will be coming up. The importance of Cody Glass will be shown then. Right now, getting his feet wet at 20 years old, it has worked out to Vegas's favor, and they've also put Glass in a huge position to succeed by having him play with Stone and with Pacioretty. It, it's all worked out to the best possible way, and... It makes you wonder, if Vegas doesn't win, if Vegas is not a successful team in these two years, what does the outlook look like of this franchise? What does what, what does this look like? It, it, does it, is it a bare-and-bones situation? I don't know. But it is definitely, it, it's definitely a good thing that Glass has waited this long to get up to the NHL. Because I don't think he needs to be in the AHL. I mean, he could be, and you can get him more development. But I think right now he's getting some valuable experience at 20 years old. And I think that, given time, he could be a really good center in this league in a, in a, in a few years. So it, it's just interesting to think what would have happened if. And, and, I, and I think I'll throw a lot of those superlatives out as the year goes by, because it makes you wonder if Vegas really wasn't the way it was supposed to be, what would happen? How would the outlook of the team be in the city? How would the outlook of the franchise look? How would the roster look? It's a lot of interesting questions to think about. And I think about those a lot just because we're, we're always caught up in the fact that not, nothing's really supposed to be happening like this, but it is. A three-year, a third-year franchise is a Stanley Cup contender. I mean, that, that doesn't happen in any other league. And I'm sure we can have our discussions about the expansion draft another day, and trust me. Um, I, 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 for one, am at least glad that those, those comments on how Vegas lucked out in the expansion draft have kind of quieted because they've been able to back it up the last two years. But it's interesting to think about, and, and I think it's interesting to think about in terms of what if Vegas, what, just what if? It's a, it's a huge what if, and it will always be a what if with this team, no matter what we talk about. So I'm sure we'll revisit this at some point. It, it's something to talk about. But looking away from the past and getting back to tonight, 
game two of 82, Golden Knights and Sharks. And fortunately, we will. this will be the last time these two teams face each other for a little bit, and we finally actually see other hockey teams play Vegas. And I'm not just talking about teams in the, in the Rockies and in the Pacific Division. Uh, the, the Boston Bruins, the defending Eastern Conference champions, who were one win away from getting another Stanley Cup, uh, will be at T-Mobile Arena on Tuesday. So, hallelujah, more hockey, different hockey, all that jazz. Um, but it begs the question, and I, and, I al- and I know I always say it's an 82-game season, this is why you play 82 games, and a lot of things can happen. But how much stock should we be putting into two wins if the Golden Knights were to win tonight against the Sharks? Because A, it's the Sharks. B, it's a division rival. C, that's going to help a lot in the standings. And Vegas will already be up to four points in two games. I don't think I would put too much stock in it, but I wouldn't wouldn't downplay the significance. Because it, it, it exercised, they exercised a lot of demons on Wednesday when they beat the Sharks. But going back to, like I said earlier, the scene of the crime and getting a road win at San Jose, I think is a very good way to set the tone and see where you are as a contender. I, I think it shows where Vegas is mentally. I think it shows where the young guys are mentally going into that environment going into San Jose where it's going to be hostile. It's going to be a playoff-like atmosphere. There's no question about it. I think it would say a lot in terms of the mindset of where the Golden Knights are compared to the mindset of where they were back in April. Um, Not to say that Vegas has never been a mentally strong team, but it does say a lot to come back from that Face the same team that you lost in that game two times in a row, with a with a mostly the, with the same lineup mostly intact, but your two top prospects are now going to be in the lineup, and you come away with a victory. I think that would be huge. Now, I'm not saying it would be huge for the rest of the season, but I think it would set the tone early and often. It would set the tone early. Especially with those two young guys, Glass and Haig, in the lineup, I think it would do a lot of confidence for them as they continue their NHL treks, however long that may be. And I think that would put the Golden Knights in a good mindset that they can overcome that adversity and they can win a very tough road game because they're going to win at home. They, they always win at home. It's about going on the road and how you respond, knowing where the, the last time you were in that arena, what happened? And I think it's going to be a big test. And I think if the Golden Knights do it, it's not going to necessarily set the tone for the rest of the year. But at least in the short term, knowing that they have a lot of home games up this month, I think it could be a very big, it, it could be a very big statement, at least in the early going, especially if those two rookies play well. So that's why I think tonight is big just from that standpoint of, you, you want them to play well and you want the Golden Knights to just kind of get it over with and then you can focus on the rest of the schedule. But I think that, that the team understands, and Mark Stone kind of alluded to this to me the other night, um, they know the opponent, they know what team it is, and they don't need any extra motivation. They just need to go out and play hockey and 
I believe they feel the same way that I do. I know that the Golden Knights are better than the Sharks right now from top to bottom. They just have to go out there and prove it tonight. And if they do that and go 2-0, and come back home with Boston waiting in the wings, I think that's going uh, <clears> to <throat> be pretty good for the Golden Knights. So I think with that, we're going to, uh, we're going to close for this week. Or, well, not for this week. We'll be back tonight for a recap of Game 2. Uh, we'll talk about what happened. Uh, I am not in San Jose, unfortunately, so uh, I will not be there. I'm sure I can rely on my other colleagues who are there, and uh, we'll discuss. Yeah, we'll discuss every bit of that game and kind of revisit what I just said and go from there. And how big of a night this was for Glass, for Hague, and for really the rest of the roster. So with that, guys, that is going to do it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, hanging with me all this week. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, But again, we'll be back tomorrow with a recap of San Jose, Vegas. Yeah, I'll call it Act 2. I like Act 2. We'll we'll leave it at that. Uh, I am Danny Webster. Thanks for listening, guys. And until next time, have a good one.